the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we turn our attention to the scripture and its proclamation, let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit, O God, and prepare our hearts to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading from the first book of Kings. Listen for God's word to you. The Lord's word came to Elijah. Get up and go to Zarephath near Sidon, and stay there. I have ordered a widow there to take care of you. Elijah left and went to Zarephath. As he came to the town gate, he saw a widow collecting sticks. He called out to her, Please get a little water for me in this cup so I can drink. She went to get some water. Then he said to her, Please get me a piece of bread. As surely as the... Lord, your God lives, she replied. I don't have any food, only a handful of flour in a jar and a bit of oil in a bottle. Look at me. I'm collecting two sticks so I can make food of some sort for myself and my son. We'll eat the last of the food and then die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do what you said. Only make a little loaf of bread for me first, then bring it to me. You can make something for yourself and your son after that. This is what Israel's God, the Lord, says. The jar of flour won't decrease, and the bottle of oil won't run out until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. The widow went and did what Elijah said, so the widow, Elijah, and the widow's household ate for many days. The jar of flour didn't decrease, nor did the bottle of oil run out, just as the Lord spoke through Elijah. The word of the Lord. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, God is still speaking. After these things, the Lord commissioned 72 others and sent them on ahead in pairs to every city and place he was about to go. He said to them, the harvest is bigger than you can imagine. But there are few workers, therefore plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. Go, be warned though, 
I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Carry no wallet, no bag, and no sandals. Don't even greet anyone else along the way. Whenever you enter a house, first say, May peace be on this house. If anyone there shares God's peace, then your peace will rest on that person. If not, your blessing will return to you. Remain in this house, eating and drinking whatever they set before you, for workers deserve their pay. Don't move from house to house. Whenever you enter a city and its people welcome you, eat what they set before you. Heal the sick who are there, and say to them, God's kingdom has come upon you. Whenever you enter a city and the people don't welcome you, go out into the streets and say, as a complaint against you, we brush off the dust of your city that has collected on our feet. But know this, God's kingdom has come to you. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. Whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned joyously, saying, Lord, even the demons submit themselves to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority to crush snakes and scorpions underfoot. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice because the spirits submit to you. Rejoice instead that your names are written in heaven. The word of the Lord. When Phelan Johnson, a playwright based in Toronto, was touring with a play in Dawson City, she wanted to show her appreciation for the hospitality that the Gold Rush era town in the Yukon had shown her. And so she joined the Sour Toe Club. What is the Sour Toe, you ask? It's a drink consisting of one shot of any alcohol, one severed, dehydrated human toe, garnished with courage. The original toe came from the foot of Lewis Lincoln, a liquor smuggler who lost the toe to frostbite in the 1920s. The toes have changed over the years due to being lost, stolen, or ingested. Phelan's toe came from a woman who accidentally ran over her foot with her lawnmower. To enter the esteemed company of the Sour Toe Club, which includes at least one Prime Minister of Canada, here are the rules. You can drink it fast, you can drink it slow, but your lips must touch that gnarly toe. Phelan's demonstration of appreciation to the people of Dawson City was unusual, to say the least, but it touches 
on the kind of risky openness that Jesus encourages his disciples to practice. In our reading, Jesus tells these 72 sent out two by two to go out on a limb for the sake of God's kingdom. Travel as lambs among wolves. Don't take a wallet or a bag, not even an extra pair of sandals. Stay in the homes of strangers. Risk rejection. That sounds counterintuitive to modern ears. Shouldn't we bring along a little extra, just in case? Shouldn't we have a backup plan? A month or two ago, Michael Zarnicki, who's a poet based in the area of Bath, New York, gave a reading up in Lodi. He told us about a cross-country trip that he took during which he made no motel reservations. Instead, at each reading that he gave, he asked if he could spend the night in someone's home. His story highlighted the generosity of ordinary people and the connections that strangers can forge. But of course, a poet or some other starving artist would embark on that kind of adventure. Not us, surely. And yet we are as ordinary as the audience members at a small town poetry reading. We are as ordinary as 72 disciples. Our hearts come alive with acts of hospitality. Our spirits blossom in community. It makes me think about Abilene, Texas, a rural community that is famous for being the birthplace of President Dwight Eisenhower. When Patty O'Malley lost her son to a drug relapse, she recognized her need for community. Patty herself was in recovery from opioid addiction, and she opened her home to other women struggling with drugs. You see, O'Malley looked around, and she recognized that after going through the 30-day rehab program in town, the only place most women could imagine returning to was home, often the very environment that encouraged addiction. And so she turned her home into Cedar House, a place to transition into sobriety with support. That was a few years ago. Cedar House now boasts a local food bank, a greenhouse, even a puppy farm to raise therapy dogs. Doesn't that sound so cool? Women who live there are proud to pass along their blessings to the community. One resident, Danny Moore, said it succinctly. Love heals. Truly, God's kingdom has come upon the people of Abilene. Jesus acknowledges the risks of discipleship. After all, your blessing, peace be upon this house, may not be reciprocated. And yet Jesus pushes us into that tender space outside of our comfort zone. Whether or not people share the peace that we offer, Jesus tells us 
remain in that house. Eat whatever those hosts place before you. In an era where we self-select into like-minded groups, that willingness to break bread with folks with whom we disagree, that not only makes discipleship in the way of Jesus counterintuitive, it is countercultural. It is cross-cultural. It is a sign of God's kingdom coming near. And that's the point of all this risk-taking, after all. Without the promise of God's kingdom, God's grace actively transforming our lives, well, we might as well succumb to anxiety. We might as well resign ourselves to the miserable state of the world. Look at me, says a widow in the town of Zarephath. She pulls the prophet Elijah back down to earth. Look at me. Look at this city ravished by drought. Look at the sticks in my hand. Don't you understand? The little bit of bread I'm going to make won't do much except ease my son's eventual death. Look at me. And so with Elijah, we look around. We see the state of things. We see hunger. We see houses with exposed insulation. We see children in need. But we also hear. We hear the word of the Lord. We hear the dream of God for a world in which there is enough bread and enough love and enough justice to go around. We hear Jesus send us to heal the sick and proclaim God's kingdom. That's why we heed Elijah's words. Don't be afraid. That's why we trust in Jesus' words. I saw Satan fall. Maybe we pause, though, when Jesus tells us, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Really? Really, Lord? Maybe we wince when Jesus says, nothing will harm you. We could dance around Jesus' words. Many do. We could qualify them with another saying from the Gospels, whoever loses their life will save it. Or we could face it head on and admit, Lord, we've been hurt. Lord, we've taken risks before and they didn't pan out. It's a miracle that we're here at all, Jesus, and now you're sending us out again to risk heartbreak or worse? But notice what else Jesus says to those 72 disciples as they come back, some joyful, but surely others bruised and battered. He says, nevertheless, don't rejoice because the spirits submit to you. Rejoice instead that your names are written in heaven. Folks, the Spirit will guide us in this risky business of discipleship. With open hearts, we will witness the Spirit's power to heal, to make all things new. 
But when we feel lost, when we see the same heartache and hurt, or when we feel like giving up, we remember your names are written in heaven. Whether or not you feel successful, your lives are held in God. Whether or not you feel like you deserve it, nothing can separate you from the love of God poured out in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And in the meantime, if the risks that we take fall flat on their faces, well then, Jesus says this, brush off the dust from your feet. Shake off the feeling that you're a failure. Shake off resentment. Any way you cut it, if people welcome you, if people cannot receive the good news of the kingdom, if you, right now, cannot receive the good news of the kingdom, well, the kingdom of God still draws near. So brush off the dust and keep going. There are others who need to hear a word of hope. There are others who need the blessing of peace. And that's why we will risk discipleship here and now. There's an exercise inspired by our passage in Luke that I'd encourage you to try out. It's a neighborhood visit that the Presbyterian Church's Office of Vital Congregations designed to get us thinking about the place where Jesus has sent us. So first, you pair up. Just as in our reading, discipleship is not a solo mission. Then choose an area of Hector or Valois or Logan that you're not too familiar with. I say not too familiar because we know this area, whether we live here or work here or hang out by the lake. So here's the exercise. With your area chosen, walk around and pay attention with all five of your senses. What can you see, hear, touch, smell, even taste? Buy something to eat or drink. Talk to at least one person you don't know. Choose something that represents what you learned about the people that you met and bring it back to share or take a picture. Bring all of these observations to a discussion with other disciples and wonder aloud, based on what we learned, what might God's kingdom coming near to Hector look like? It's a useful exercise, I think, because it links our senses and our faith. The widow in Zarephath is right to insist to us, look at me. Look around, see the world as it actually is, both beautiful and bruised. That's a part of our calling. But faith, that is, trust in God's gracious activity in this beautiful and broken world, that adds another necessary dimension, 
a sixth sense, if you will. Because what we see is not the end of the story. The prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that writes the next chapter. People of God, Jesus sends you on a risky mission. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of rejection. Don't be afraid of failing because the promise of the kingdom is the promise of grace transforming your lives, transforming the lives of our neighbors. For this grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to the one in three, the three in one, God most mighty, most merciful, most wise. Amen.